This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast to you out of Tampa Bay, but all over Florida, all over the Southeast, and all the way up into Hampton Roads, Virginia. We're so grateful that you've tuned in today. We have an exciting show for you today, but before we get to our guest, Martha, one way people should be connecting with us. Well, you know, it's pretty exciting this week. My big thing is that we got onto Spotify, Jim. So I'm, I am, it's so fresh. I don't even have the link on our website yet, but um, how people can just go to Spotify and look up I Work For Him as a podcast and they can start listening to it there. If they have premium, you know, they, you don't have to have premium. You can just listen to it anywhere. Um, but just another great way to remember to connect to the podcast. So if you miss the live radio show, wherever we're playing across the Southeast, um, or across the world on our um, website, iworkforhim.com. You can certainly catch the podcast later. So please do that. Take the time. Uh, I know it's very convenient. A lot of people do it when they're running or at the gym, um, on their desk, you know, if they're able to listen and work at the same time, which I think is great skill if you have it and your boss is flexible enough. So but listen to the podcast. Um, connect to us now. We've added Spotify. And when you're out there listening to the podcast, share that news with your friends who need to hear the same thing. We've had some phenomenal shows. We've done 1,250 shows. There are lots of good ones out there. We'd love for you to share that with your friends. All right. Today in our work friend, we're going to dig deep into some statistics and some data. You're like, oh, Jim, yawner. No, 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 no. Mm. This is all about Christians at work. Put out by the Barner Group. You know, every day in I work room, we talk about the disconnectedness that we all feel between what we hear on Sunday and what we get to do in our nine to five, what our calling is. How many Christians does this impact? Well, the statistic is, well, you have to wait to find that out. What does it take to turn a Christ follower who separates his or her faith and work to become a Christ follower living out their faith in their work, connecting what they hear on Sunday with what they do in their nine to five, recognizing that there are no second class citizens in the kingdom of God. Roxanne Stone joins us today from the Barna Group. She's the editor in chief at the Barna Group, and she's here to talk about the latest release from Barna, Christians at Work. Roxanne Stone, welcome to I Work For Him. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. You know, Roxanne, we always ask this question of every first-time guest on I Work For Him. How did you become a Jesus follower? (laughs) Um, Well, uh, that's a great question that I almost never know how to answer. It just sort of feels like I always was. Um, You know, I grew up in the church and um, grew up going to church every Sunday, and it feels more like something that I just at some point when I was young, made official, but was um, a part of my life from from so early on that it it seems like the womb. Mm, Very cool. Very cool. So let me ask this question. So we're going to be talking about this book that Barna just put out called Christians at Work. And in light of that, of course, um, the name of our radio show is I Work for Him. When you hear that name, what does that mean to you? Um, you know, it, it seems to me that uh, when I hear that, it means that uh, it calls to mind just a verse of like, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory mm-hmm. of God. So um, whether that's, you know, whether that's your your work in a nine to five world um, and just doing that to the best of your ability, or whether that means your, um, your vocation as, as parents or as 
um, any kind of part of your life, um, being able to take that work, being able to take that effort and really laying it at, at his feet and, and hoping that, that he'll use it for, yeah. for his glory. Now, how long have you been at the Barna Group? Um, about six and a half years. All right. So how does your work at the Barna Group over these last six and a half years give you a unique vantage point into the brokenness of our world? Well, um, most of my career, uh, well, all of my career has been spent um, really in, in publishing and journalism um, and before coming to, to Barna Group as well. Um, so I think my work has just always sort of been able to, I've been able to have this bird's eye view of what's going on in the world um, and being able to think about these bigger trends. And Barna is really great for that because yeah. um, I'm able to, to look at all this data, which is exactly that, right? It's exactly a bird's eye view of what are the big things going on? What are the um, the majority of people feeling or a significant number of people feeling about about all kinds of trends? Um, so that really is able, I'm really able to, to, to use that data to really um, be able to to see what what's happening in the mm-hmm. world. And um, I think that the temptation then for those of us who work in data um, like that is really uh, to accidentally start only seeing data and not real people uh, um, and not the, the individuals who, who make up those um, those numbers. So that's, that's always the challenge for many of us at, at Barna is to make sure that we're, that's we're a, staying connected with real people. Yeah, that's a great point. I never even thought about it that way. But so let's yeah, talk. I just think I'm getting over the fact I work in data. I work I, in I, data. I work in data. <laughs> you know, yeah, and I'm and thinking green and white sheets of paper with with uh, you know <laughs> you know feeding sheets of you know the holes on the side. That's what I'm thinking about. You know, before you were born, they used to do that. You know, <laughs> dot matrix, matrix printers. printers. That's I, right. I knew that's where your mind was going. That's right. So Roxanne, let's talk about Barta the Barta Group for just a minute. Yeah, there let's are give people a plug. that may not actually understand what the Barta Group is and and what it is that you guys are really trying to accomplish. So talk about that for a minute for our listeners. Bring them up to speed. Sure. Well, Barna is um, a research company, um, and we, we're one of the most widely known research firms in America that studies space. Um, and so our real focus is to look at uh, what is the intersection of uh, Christianity with um, culture in all kinds of ways in America. So um, maybe that means like what we're talking about today, what are work trends um, among Christians. Sometimes that means looking at political trends. Sometimes that means looking at, you know, um, racial trends or mm-hmm. church attendance trends or um, even even such things as like are people lonely? Are they happy? Do they have friends? Are they connected with community? Are they connected with their families? Um, so we really study just all kinds of things um, in America, and we do that through nationally representative surveys mostly. Um, so that's, uh, that's quantitative work. So we, you know, put out surveys with firms that, that um know how to do a survey that really represents America well, so that we, in each survey we meet sort of a quota of uh, a variety of different kinds of people that make up the U.S. Um, 
and then we get those great stats that people love to read and quote. Um, and so that's a big part of what we do at Barna. Um, I'm on the editorial team, the, and we have sort of a research team and an editorial team. And a big part of what we do at Barna is we, we look for those stats, but then we really we get the research, but then we really want to be able to tell a story with it, be able mm. to help people actually understand what do all these stats mean for my life? What's the application of this? What does it mean if I'm a pastor? What does this mean for my church? What does it mean for the, the congregants that I'm meeting with regularly? And so that's really what the editorial team does, is take all that data, those stats, and actually make them come alive for people and, in a certain way. And you guys do that so incredibly well. I know that every Thank single you. thing I've ever seen published by Barna visually is attractive. It visually, I don't look at it and go, oh my word, I'm never going to be able to make sense of this. It's you data. do such an amazing yeah, job of making it jump Thank off you. the page, understand what it is that you're communicating. And um, so, you know, so that is such a, I, I, I'm worth thankful that there are people that are doing that to interpolate it and make it all come alive. Like you said, I love that word. All right, last question for this segment, Roxanne Stone from the Barna Group. How does working at Barna allow you to live out your faith in your work? How do you see that play out? Really quick. Yeah, well, I um, I, I love the local church. I always have. That's always been a huge animating um, factor of my life. And so for me, being able to almost be um, a pastor to pastors through my writing, which is, mm-hmm. you know, what I love to do is to write. Um, so being able to, to do that and really connect these these bigger trends with the local church and to help pastors um, understand kind of what's happening in the world and, and how to respond to it, that's, that's a huge vision for my life. So, so one of the things, Roxanne, that um, with Jim and I being on the radio for so many years together, our listeners have gotten to learn that I am a, a cup half full person. And Jim happens to mostly be, or his tendency, not that he lives it out, but his tendency is to be a half empty. You know, the cup is half empty. But it's got Mountain Dew in it. It, it And so he's been drinking out of it. But, but the, so it was, when we were driving to the station today, I said to Jim, I said, you know, when we have this conversation about all the statistics that Barna has found about Christians at work and, and, you know, some are high percentages leaning one way and some are low percentages leaning another way with the things you're going to unveil to everybody. I said, what, what is the answer? What is this an encouraging conversation? Is it supposed to be a challenge to us (laughs) to improve those numbers? What is it? So Roxanne, before we delve into the specifics, tell me what, um, is this, is this supposed to be an encouragement to us or what do you think? (laughs) Um, well, uh, you know, I think um, when a glass is uh, half empty, it's also half full. So it's yes. pretty easy. It's really true that there's good news and bad news here. Um, and I think that there's some really encouraging news when we look at young people and we look at um, just <clears throat> the conversation exists in ways that it hasn't in the past. There's a real sense um and, and this is not just, I, this is true from the stats themselves, but this is also true. All you have to do is kind of look around at um, the resources that are available to Christians right now. And there's a huge conversation happening about work. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is, what it, you know, your radio station, um, Tim Keller's done a ton of work. Like, there's a ton of people who are really talking about what does it look like to glorify God through 
your work, through your calling, um, through your vocation, if you're um, lucky enough to be working in your vocation. Um, And so I think that that's really encouraging. There's a lot of young people, um, millennials especially, who have been raised to see their work as significant and that they've been raised to believe in what they do and to want to do something that they believe in. Um, And when you're part of a church, that translates into, well, I want my work to make an impact for my faith, for God. Um, So that's that's very encouraging. Um, I think that... uh, the, the glass half empty side of that is have we made too big of a deal out of this? Like, have we um, made a point to millennials that if they don't have a job where they can connect it completely to their work, if they don't have a job where they're making an impact, where they're changing the world, um, then are they somehow a failure or are they somehow mm-hmm. unable to live their faith to their best? And, um, and as a counter to that, like, well, what, you know, there's so many other avenues of life that we live in, and there's so there's so many of us who are prone in America toward workaholism. Do we really want to, like, encourage that any further by right. also saying this is the best way that you can serve God, you know? So I think there's always, you know, there's a give and take there. So. Wow. That was a really good point. Have we made too big a deal about this? Because it is, it is true that, Sometimes our jobs are, unfortunately, are just jobs, but it doesn't mean we can't do uh, operate with excellence in those jobs. It doesn't mean that we can't Absolutely. have deep relationships with those people. It doesn't necessarily have to be the most fulfilling job, non-world-changing job. I mean, we can. I mean, you can make an impact with relationships uh, no matter where you're at, Martha. To that Absolutely. point, I, I just was thinking about that story of Brother Lawrence, I believe it is, where he, mm-hmm. you know, he determined that in washing the dishes, he could do it to the glory of God. And I think that that's the example of, of not taking it to an extreme of, 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 you know, you know, I can't do anything. Um, but in the, in the everyday, what can we do to the glory of God? So, so Roxanne, yeah. why did Barna start this? Why did Barna chase after this study Christians at work? What, what prompted them to say, let's why let's go. Yeah, there's some great, um, there's actually a few different reasons for that. Um, in part, it's something that, you know, uh, as your work, when, when you work in this area, it's fun to be able to make it personal. And there's a lot of us at Barna who really cared about this topic. Mm. Um, and so it's something that's been percolating for us for several years where we've had, and we've actually approached it through other studies in the past as well. Um, so this is sort of a growing body of research for us into vocation. We did one specifically on women a couple of years ago for um, a small book that we put out um, called Wonder Women, and that was really looking at, like, what does it look like in this modern time for women to have be able to step into a sense of calling and vocation um, in a way that hasn't always been emphasized for women. So, and we highlighted um, an of, author who wrote a book, Killing Wonder Woman, because of exactly <laughs> those issues. So. Book. <laughs> um so this, and then, and then the other reason, really a big reason, is because we saw it was a huge. Through you know, we do so much research on millennials and young people and Gen X or Gen Z as well, which is sort of the next generation of teens. And what we've seen among millennials and Gen Z is that right now, career is such an important part of who they are and of their jobs. And at the same time that career is sort of culminating in their lives, like this is the most important thing. We're also seeing them go to church less. 
Mm-hmm. And so churches, church has in many ways been replaced for millennials with Gen Z by their work. And so um, that's where they're finding community. That's where they're finding purpose. That's where they're being able to say, I'm changing the world. Um, and so we just felt like, oh, my goodness, if we're really going to be able to speak to millennials and Gen Z in this time of life, it needs we need to be able to speak to them in a way that we're connecting to their work because that's such a significant part of who they are right, right. now. So when you start a study like this, do you have like a, hey, when we're done, we expect to find this? <laughs> well, <laughs> we really try not to have that in mind. Um it's important as much as we can to approach research without without um, knowing what the answer is going to be. Because if you if you know what you want it to be, it's easy to mm-hmm. write questions that get you those answers, right? So, I mean, we work pretty hard at making sure that we have the most unbiased surveys that we can. We generally speaking do qualitative work before quantitative, which means that we interview. Um, a good number of experts or practitioners or just normal everyday people on the subject first beforehand so that we so that those are those really help inform the ways that we ask questions the kinds of questions we're asking mm-hmm. um, so for this study um, we talked to dozens of experts in the field of vocation um, and in the field of sort of career coaching or career counseling or pastors who are really emphasizing or writing about um, career. And so we talked to dozens of them before the survey, and they're quoted all throughout the book, um, just to really get a sense of like, hey, what are the trends that you're seeing? What are the pain points that you're seeing? Um, what are people talking about? And those really helped inform the questions that we wrote so that we could get at like, okay, we really want to be able to speak people's language and be able to ask questions that um, help really tell the story of what's happening um, for Christians in the workplace. So let me, um, I thank you for explaining that because this is a world that's all foreign to a lot of us. We just get to see the end results and we just assume, you know, it just magically all happens. But two things come to mind is before we delve into it is one, it has to be done pretty timely so that you actually are getting um, some pretty, you know, current day statistics. I just was thinking about that. But so let me ask another way. And we have like a minute for you to answer this is the fact that um, were there any surprises? So maybe not what did you expect the outcomes to be, but maybe you could list one surprise that came as a result of of this um, study. Well, sure. We can get into it maybe in the next section. But one of the biggest surprises for me was really looking at um, sort of the vocation, vocational and satisfaction timeline for men versus women. Um, and we see that women really thrive in their early career before they're married and have kids, and men really thrive in their later career after they're married and have kids, which is very interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Well, men and women are very different. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and life changes. News right. flash right That's here, right. I That's work right. for him. We've got Roxanne Stone on the line with us today to, from the Barner Group to talk about this study. But just want to let you know that the listener line is open for you to call and request to win a copy of this book. We're going to give away a copy on the show today. 866-713-9675. 866-713-WORK. That's 866-713-9675. All right, Roxanne, you guys, I quote out of the book, it's towards the beginning of the book, it says, we believe the church has a huge opportunity. 
a responsibility even, given the profile of the emerging generation, to incorporate deliberate thinking about work into its discipleship and evangelism efforts. Mm-hmm. How will the Barna Group help the Four Walls Church understand this concept? Well, we're we're trying to do it. Um, this is the book is one way that we're trying to do yeah. it. Um, we will continue to research faith and work. Um, you know, we have uh, a couple of different um, kind of different resources on our website that can help churches really be thinking about this. Um, we really just want to see, uh, you know, we want to see people be able to take to take their faith, of course, as you guys, you talk about this um, uh, all the time, right? You take your faith, the things that you're learning about on Sunday, and then, like, what does mm-hmm. that look like during the week? And I think what we've seen in the past is how that's been emphasized is, well, go be good people at work. Like, don't lie, don't cheat. Um Make sure that you, you know, you live out your Christian values at work, and that's great. And we, you know, we saw that that is that is still incredibly important, especially for older generations. That was one of the ways that they really felt like in our survey. That was some of the ways that they really felt like they were living out their faith at work. Um, but when we talk to younger people, um, that's that's not the values that they're like hoping to take into work. What they're really wanting to take into work is we want to make an impact in the world. Like we want to bring justice. We want to bring mercy. Like we have these, we have these values that Christianity has taught us this way that we believe that the world should be ordered according to the kingdom of God. And we want to be able to do work that helps make that happen. Mm. Um, So they're asking really fundamental questions about like, is this work that I'm doing doing good in the world? And the answer is, all work was given to us by God, and therefore all work has value in it, And because it's all part about cultivating the earth, capturing its resources. Everything above the ground today was once below the ground, and God told us to to, to cultivate it and to do this, to create economies. And, and, and so all of that is God wants to work alongside of us in that. Roxanne, you mentioned before the break that one of the most surprising things you uncovered it was the vocational satisfaction or dissatisfaction difference between men and women and their ages. Talk to us about that, that finding. Yeah, um, we were really surprised to find this. Uh, we saw that um, when you look at um, sort of satisfaction across a, a number of metrics, so satisfaction with your work, satisfaction with sort of with your with your life, with your amount of rest, with your um, sort of work-life balance, um, the feeling that you're really making an impact with your work. Um, we saw that that... Uh, we saw women really thriving in those ways, saying that they're they're very satisfied with the with all those aspects of their life. They're most likely to say that when they're younger and single, um, before they're married and before they have kids. Um, whereas men, when they're single before they have kids, they're at the very lowest. Like they are more unhappy than every other group of people that we surveyed in all of those areas. Um, but then once they get married and once they have kids, they become the most satisfied group. And so married men with kids are the most satisfied kind of across the board with their jobs, with their work-life balance. 
And then women, once they get married and have kids, really drop in those areas. So there's kind of an inverse relationship there. Um, so that really surprised me. But it also, when I thought about it, it really rang, rang true in many ways because, um, you know, that, that – there, there's there's plenty of other data out there as well for, you know, once men get married, once they have kids, like their lives sort of stabilize, they are off, they often get paid more, um, they take on more responsibilities, they have more of a sense of purpose. Right. Um, they have a reason to work. I mean, that's yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I understand. <laughs> I, mean, I understand. Yeah. It makes sense to me, Martha. And I do a lot of marriage mentoring. What do, that statistic totally makes sense because as a guy, now if you have a if you have a wife and kids, you've got purpose. You got a reason to go to work every day. Yeah. And when a when a woman starts to have kids, also she's like, yeah, I like work, but I want to invest my life in my kids. She's a nurturer. That's the way God built her. I mean, it's it's a, those statistics totally make sense according to the scriptures. Yeah, I think that the tough part is most of the women that we were talking to um, are working um, as well, and so I think one of the one of the things that we really saw, not just with this study, but with a few of the other studies that we're doing, is it's very hard for um, in America today. It's actually becoming harder and harder, you know, for um, a family uh, with kids to really survive on one income. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people um, across the board mm-hmm. are really being whether they're moms or dads, they have to work in some capacity. And so we see, um, I think, just there, there is, I'd say, um, sort of inherent in that conversation right. is how do we balance that better between moms and dads? Like sure. if moms have to work as much as dads, as their work that dads can be doing at home to make sure that moms aren't getting burned out, like how do we sort of share the investment um, in these different areas, you know, so. and I love the fact that you guys have kind of um, have highlighted that because it's important that our listeners hear that this book applies to so many people and can be so useful. I'm thinking of you know a manager at work who has men and women in their different um, positions and making sure that they're getting as fulfilled as they can be making sure that they're getting the time off when they earn their vacation that they're using. I mean, there's so many things that can point back to some of these statistics and how you can help in, in whatever your sphere of influence is. It doesn't mean we're necessarily going to change the world, but we can change the area that we have influence in. So I really want to encourage our listeners, call the listener line, um, win yourself a copy of this book, 866-713-9675. 866-713-9675. You will be surprised. This isn't just a book full of statistics. It's helpful information that's been already brought through and made into beautiful graphs in multicolor um, to help people understand what to do with this information. So I hope that someone will call in and get a copy of the book today. All right. So Roxanne, we asked some of the most surprising. What about the most encouraging thing you guys found out in in the study? What, what was some of the most encouraging stuff you uncovered? Well, um, I'd love to talk a little bit, you know, about the, the group that we sort of found called Integrators. Um, and we did some work. Uh, one of the super fun things that you can do with data um, is you can really slice it in tons of ways. So one of the things that we really try to do when we have a study like this um, is take the time to really understand what are some 
some correlations? What are some some connections that we see between different behaviors? And how do those behaviors, we, we call this regression. So we sort of do this work that I will not describe to you because computers do it, I don't do it. <laughs> um, but we kind of figure out, like, what are these commonalities that hang together and um, sort of statistically significantly hang together? And we can say, okay, let's let's group those things then and see what happens when those people who have all those commonalities, like let's study them as a group and see how they might be different than other groups. So we sort of did that through this study and we found that three different groups of people that we um, sort of categorized and we called those integrators, compartmentalizers, and onlookers. And what we found is these integrators, um, they answered four questions with strongly agree. So they can clearly see how the work that they're doing is serving God or a higher purpose. They say, I strongly agree that I'm looking to make a difference in the world. They strongly agree that they find purpose and meaning in the work that they do. Um, And they strongly agree that as a Christian, it's important to help mold the culture of my workplace. Mm. So those are integrators, and those are four amazing qualities. Um, And so we found, I mean, 28% of um, Christian workers are integrators. That's actually a very large number um, to to qualify so highly on the scale. So over a quarter, um, almost a third, really, of of our sort of Christians out there in the workplace are very, very integrated in their faith and work. Um, compartmentalizers were a little less like like they would agree to some of those, but not all of those. Um, and then um, they're sort of the lowest level of agreement. And then onlookers we saw are these are people who are sort of moderately resonate with these um, these four statements. And we really saw it in onlookers, which is um, almost four in 10 of Christians, so the largest group, they're movable. Like, they just need a little nudge in the right direction to understand, like, your work can mean something um, to your to your faith, and you can integrate these two. So that's who's mostly in your pews um, as pastors. Those are most of the people that you're talking to um, are either are either really integrated or they just need a little nudge. And that's encouraging that, you know, with with proper discipleship, which is one thing we really talk about a lot is that, you know, that we sitting in those pews just need to hear more of this conversation that what God created me to be so good at numbers, like you have so many amazing people in your organization that are good with numbers, that that is a calling on your Mm -hmm. life that is given to you by God and what you can do with it. And so... Um, that is very encouraging that if if they can if we can just hear more of that from the from the pulpit from our teachers from those around us with influence what a difference can be made because you've got so many that are movable so one of the things nope not I didn't mean to interrupt you honey but we are almost <laughs> out of time so I want to let everybody know we're talking with Roxanne Stone she's the editor in chief from the Barna Group talking about Christians at work. A study put out by the Barna Group. Check them out online, barna.com, barna.com. Get a copy of this 
Give it to your pastor. Give it to some people in your life that really need to understand these statistics because you and I sit in the pews every Sunday and we have a difficult time making that connection between what we hear on Sunday and what we do in our nine to five, whatever that nine to five may be. But the ultimate understanding is that our workplace, it's our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers, our employees may ever meet. That job that you hold, the work that you do, the people that you work with, none of that is by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus. And you may be their only chance. But we need to learn how to live with intentionality. We need to learn, according to Roxanne Stone, how to be integrators. That's something that's going to come out in this study, Roxanne Stone. You know, it's pretty consistent theme throughout the study as I looked it all over that millennials seem to have a a much better grasp than the Generation Xers and the Boomers about the connection between their faith and their work. Why? (laughs) Well, thanks for asking that. I mean, I I think it it is. There's some um, there's some encouraging stuff there about millennials that we look at um, and we can see that some of this this conversation that was that's been sort of percolating um and escalating within the church like about faith and work and that and that desire to integrate it that desire to really make an impact with our work like that's getting out there um millennials are have 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 clung to that and they're they're saying yes i want to change the world or make an impact or do something great uh almost 50 uh, or Sorry, 58% of millennials want to make a difference in the world. Um, 67% of millennials want to use their gifts and talents for the good of others. Um, So uh, almost 60% say that they believe it's important for Christians to serve others in their work. Half of them feel called to their work. Those are really big numbers, um, and they're they're higher, um, you know, for millennials um, than they are for some other generations. But And that's good news. And that's good news for their work, and hopefully that's hopefully that means that um, our churches are are having more success, kind of talking about that message. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, I think it's just really important to not say, "Oh, millennials are getting it better than older generations." It's also important to recognize stage of life there. So millennials are in their twenties and their early thirties. That's the time in life when you have to climb the ladder, when your career is such an important part of who you are, when you're really just establishing that foundation. A lot of them aren't married yet. A lot of them don't have kids yet. So career is really their outlet for purpose. Um, And then we see as, you know, as people get older, um, especially when you get to um, sort of boomers and elders, a lot of them are retired or they're on their way out, and they need to be able to find purpose in other places besides work. Um, and they're probably, you know, how many times do we hear that sort of phrase, like, well, when you're on your deathbed, are you really going to wish that you worked more? Uh, right. People always say, like, well, that's, you know, you're going to wish that you had had more time with your family or whatever. And those are really like, at that age, you're really reorienting your life around different purposes. Well, those are really good points because we... Um... You know, in everything, when you put together statistics, you don't want to drill in so much on one thing and 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 just focus on that that you forget the perspective that's around it. So, um, thanks for sharing that. You know, Roxanne, I can be honest with you. As you know, my glass half empty, full of Mountain Dew uh, <laughs> kind of personality, but I was shocked 
at the statement. You had people comment, and sometimes you you're like true, very true, not true, whatever. I'm not I'm not sure all the different categories. But you, the statement was, my church does a good job of helping me to understand how to live out my faith in the workplace. And you got a big result on that. We've talked to people all across the country, and we hardly ever get that answer. Why do you think you got a different result? I mean, literally, I bet we've asked that question 3,000 times. Yeah. Well, it's a good, it's a good question. I'll, I'll, um, I'll speculate since I don't know exactly because I don't know who you're talking to or kind of how it works. But um, we are talking, you know, we're talking to practicing Christians for the most part, um, which means that they're pretty, like they're going to church really regularly, um, and their their faith is important to their life. So they're probably, like, they're thinking about these things um, more so. Um, I would also say, you know, um, we don't—the the, the, the limitation of, of qualitative data— um, or quantitative data, which is why we often try to also incorporate qualitative, is that you don't get to ask follow-up questions. So when you're out there, you're probably asking a follow-up question, or you're or you're prefacing the question in such a way that they I'm know always, exactly what you're talking about. I'm always you know? asking follow-up questions. That's so just what I do. For us, it's like, well, we don't know. Was that so? More than a thousand people answered that question. How? What were they thinking about when they answered the question? Like, right. were they thinking, oh yeah? My pastor talks all the time about why I should be kind to the people at work because I'm a Christian. Or maybe my pastor talks all the time about evangelize at work um, because that's, you know, what you need to do. Or don't lie at work or be good people out there in the world. That's a very different message than, hey, God, you know, glorify God in your work because your work has purpose or your work can make an impact connected to your vocation like these are different conversations so it's very hard like this is why we have a lot of questions um and this is also why we did the qualitative work ahead of time i thank you for answering that because i think you're right um number one yes jim has never had a one question conversation with anybody (laughs) he's always following it up and the fact that you know the context of where we are meeting people is always around the faith and work um conversation And so those people have a, you know, might have a different sensitivity and, to And they're it as hungry well. for it. They're hungry for it. They yeah. want more from the pulpit on Sunday morning. They want, they, they really want and it. And that might be actually the answer to the question right there is that when it says my church does a good job, it's not as good as I want it to be. I, you right. know, these are people that are going, right. I want to hear more that my work matters. Right. I want to hear it more. And so maybe that's the difference, but it's fun to have this conversation and be able to, again, Take something that's data and turn it into something that can really be life changing for a lot of ministries, workplaces, managers, everyday people. You gotta that's get our it. hope. That's, her, that's, that's it. right. And that's a good hope. You got to get a copy of this book, Christians at Work, Examining the Intersection of Calling and Career, a study done by the Barna Group alongside Abilene Christian University. You'd go Barna.com, Barna.com, get a copy of it. Uh, mm-hmm. You could also call the listener line, try to win the one from today, 866-713-9675. Roxanne, what I love about this book on work, Christians at Work, is that you close the book with an article written by you, specifically, rest well, work well. Mm-hmm. Most of us write about things that have touched us personally. How does rest, how has rest or the lack thereof impacted Roxanne Stone? <laughs> Well, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I burned out pretty hard in my um, early 30s, um, just having worked, you know, a lot, um, putting in a lot of hours. I, I'm one of those people that felt like my work had to be the most important thing. Like it, I was, it was my mission and it was my identity and it was the way that I was best going to serve God. And if I wasn't productive and I wasn't successful, then I wasn't being the best Christian that I could be. Um, you know, and I very much neglected, uh, one of the 10 commandments, which is Sabbath. Um, and, and also neglected, I think, you know, other aspects work was a bit of an idol. It came with a lot of pride where I was like, I'm making a difference for God as if like God needed me to do that when what God really asked for is, you know, like, who are you becoming? Like, you know, I love you. I want I want you to be a full person. It's not so much about like, are you being productive? Are you changing the world for me? And it took me a long time to recognize that and to recognize just um that rest isn't lazy, but it's replenishing, that we have to have it, that in fact, um, so much of the time when I'm resting, like I can come back and work better, especially as an artist, especially as a writer, um, you know, going out and getting in nature, like reading a really good book, um, being able to to make a really good meal, um, things that, you know, actually replenish me as an artist instead of what you know, instead of just draining, draining, draining all the time. So you, you end the article or very close to the end. It says, bless yourself with rest and you will be able to bless the world with your work. That's a powerful statement. How does this play out in your life today? Well, it's, you know, it's like that. It's like, I recognize that actually if I work and work and work, my work, it's, it's diminishing, right? Um, my work is less good than it could be. Um, and when I take the time to rest, God speaks to me, um, nature speaks to me, uh, there's ways that I, I just make better work, sure. I make better art if I'm replenished instead of constantly drained. And I think in our culture today, it's just so easy to not even recognize the static of work right. all the time. Like, just pick up your phone, there it is. That's and right. It, and it doesn't matter, you know, it's so... You have to be so incredibly intense. Roxanne Stone, thank you for being on iWork Frame. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. You've been listening to iWork Frame with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.